Welcome to another episode of the Talking Small Podcast. This episode features Eric Duke, a friend that we made while being degenerates in Las Vegas. He'll be joining us. Uh, Al and I spent some time with him this past March when we were there for the first week of March Madness. Ended up seeing his band at a show where we were the edgy ones. You'll find out more about that later. But speaking of edge, if you need that nice edge on your beard, you need that Parasso. Look for Parasso this holiday season. It's going to be coming quick. I think we'll have a promotion code for you soon. But uh, it's on Amazon. You can go to Amazon.com. That's Parasso. P-R-O-R-A-S-O. Parasso. And check out their wide variety of products. You will be so happy with the edge you get. Even by Parasso. And now, let's get into the podcast with Eric Duke. So I'd like to apologize for any audio quality because Eric Duke's in the sportsbook after a Duke victory wearing Duke jersey and Duke hat on brand. And now, let's get to that podcast. Welcome to the Talking Small Podcast, where we make that podcast platinum. Samurai Deli, put him viewers in. Let's go. All right, so this is a special edition of the Talk Small podcast because we have a guy we met in a bar in Las Vegas. I really don't know his last name. I know him as Eric Duke. No last names anyway, so we're good. So um, basically, Alex and myself were with also your dad, right, Al? Yeah, he and was there. W- and we were in a bar called The Office. You found it, right, Harley? Yeah, I, f- I found it. Yeah, props to me. And we were in there rooting. I believe it's a Duke-Harvard game we were watching. I thought Harvard was playing. I had Harvard on the first half or whatever line I think we were betting first. And this guy next to us, we realized, I think he had a Duke jersey on, and he was rooting pretty hard against the sides that we were rooting on. And, of course, because he was, you know, a a fun-loving guy, as we're all getting drunk that day. Yeah, and because he's one of the only other people in there at 1030 drinking with us. And that's where we met Eric Duke. So, Eric Duke, how are you doing, buddy? Doing good, guys. Hey, we, we missed you. The last time we saw you was probably back in March. Every now and then we were uh, exchanging some pleasantries on Snapchat. Sorry that the LSU Tigers couldn't cover against Alabama for you. It was a, That was devastating over here in Louisiana. So, uh, sorry about that. Can't refund your money, though. Oh, so. That's right. So, uh, for anybody but Alabama, but. Yeah, fuck Alabama. So uh, you just had a big Duke uh, Auburn game, basketball wise. Uh, as being Eric Duke, you're a big Duke fan, and uh, I understand that uh, they might have came up a little short for you. Yeah, I, I, you know, you want to take a team. Uh, if if the lines seem to be off a little bit, you want to take them as as long as uh, Vegas doesn't adjust a bit and they keep covering. So, yeah, outside of the Army game that Duke had. Uh, they've covered every other game, and I think there's a reason why Coach K didn't really want to, you know, push too hard against Army uh, Veterans Weekend, and he was there at West Point, you know, back in the day. But um, I took 
Duke minus 12, and they covered throughout a lot of portions of the game. But Auburn just didn't go away, and Duke didn't put them away. Um, so they ended up winning by six, but all good. Yeah, I had a, a second half under 89 bet going. After watching the first half, I wanted to put some money on that under in the second half and that cash. So I was uh, very happy about that. 76 versus 89. So easy to the window, 13 points. <laughs> Yeah, the end of it was good, I think, on the whole total, too. Um, I, uh, you know, it's it, it sucks when you lose a bet and your team wins because it, it dampens it a little bit. But that's, you know, that's the give and take when you're betting with your heart a little bit. So um, one of the things that after we, you know, met you in the office bar, we met our boy Tony, who was hooking us up with some drink specials, and he called you a Duke bag. Do you get that a lot? What is a Duke bag? I've never heard him call me a Duke bag, and I didn't. I thought you just mentioned that for the first time. I've never actually heard that. But I will tell you, being having been born here but not raised here, I grew up in North Carolina. My parents met at UNLV here in Vegas. Moving back about nine years ago, I've always liked UNLV except for obviously 1990 and 91. My parents met here. I was born here. But for UNLV fans and people in Las Vegas, there's a hatred that rivals, you know, possibly North Carolina fans and Kentucky fans when it comes to Duke. And it has all the things to do about the 90, 91 years. Um, and, you know, for Duke fans, it's like, you know, they don't even think about UNLV like that. It's not even a thing, you know, for us. But I get a lot of hatred about it. And, uh, I can't even I can't even breathe the fact that I follow UNLV and I'm a fan outside of you know when it comes to Duke because I'm just labeled you know a Duke fan and everyone here hates that. Well, you kind of do it to yourself a little bit, right? So you're in the bar, you got your long hair, your beard flowing, and then you got a Duke jersey on. So I mean, like you're not subtle about your Duke fandom. I'm not subtle about anything. That's just my personality. Uh, if if we were to go shoot some ball and play on the court, you would find out that how much of an asshole I can really be. <laughs> but when it comes when it comes to trash talking and you know fun on the sports levels and and poker even or anything like that, I'm competitive. I got that from my dad, and uh, and I like to have fun with it and shit talk. But you know when ruffles get feathered, it it can be uh, a lot more fun, but a lot more intense as well. So. Uh, I know I'm not easy to handle when it comes to Duke games, but passion is what it is, you know. I I know you take that passion to video poker because I've seen you post some stuff on Snapchat about you winning on video poker, and I've never seen anybody hit like you hit on video poker. How much money does he win on video poker? This this comes in in, in uh, size amounts too. Okay, so. Like when I when I'm with some of my friends that don't really play that much, but they go to a bar and they'll throw in a ten or a twenty, and that'll be it for the night. And uh, and that's the extent of it. But then they'll watch me win. Well, they don't put together. I put a hundred or two hundred in. Like you know, it comes in sample sizes. And when uh, when I'm winning, it's probably and people that I know that win big, they're also gambling big, and they're also playing a lot more than just your average gambler. So it comes and goes with that kind of uh, ratio, you know? 
So since you can make a lot of money off of video poker, I got a Chris Duhon autographed basketball. How much to buy that from me? Why? Why? And now? I'm just curious. I'll throw in a shirt I have signed by Chris Duhon. It's somewhere in my parents' dresser. I've never been worn either. That's cool. The, the significance behind that is we're from this small town in Louisiana uh, called Slidell, and like the only basketball player that ever came out here and did anything was Chris Duhon, who played at uh, Duke, and I think he won a national championship, and then he went to go on and have like he a did, he, did. he had like a you know probably about a ten year journeyman career with you know bounced from team to team. I bet he got paid though. Oh yeah, yeah he did. So, yeah, so anyway, you know, next time I see you, you know, you, you make me an offer, I might give you a Chris Duhon ball, you know, you, you know, good five bucks right there. Because um, uh, one of the things when we met you, you were you were talking about, and you you got to a point because it was just the first Thursday of March Madness, and one of the things you threw out is like, at one point you said, every Thursday I got a cabana at the Hard Rock. And, it, it, you know, we're all sitting there drunk, and it took me a second. I was like, wait, today's Thursday. And I was like, Eric, today's Thursday. What the hell? And you're like, oh, shit. And, we, you know, just you know, want to shout out the Cabana Life. It seems like a good time. It was a good time. Um, Vegas is one of those cities where uh, it's all about who you know kind of thing. Or, you know, you have a lot of money. But if you're local and – you don't really you, you get pampered because you don't want to spend so much. It literally becomes connections and who you know that kind of thing. I have a couple friends over at the Hard Rock that uh, hook me up with a free cabana every Thursday, and they know it's just about me bringing a bunch of other locals or service industry people to kind of have a good time on a Thursday afternoon, take care of the staff pretty good, and uh, you know get a comp cabana. Doesn't mean we're getting comp bottles all the time. I did that a couple times this past summer, but not every Thursday, obviously. Um, but obviously, uh, it, you know, desert heat out here and uh, the pool life is a thing that the whole summer is a big pool party thing, like in this town. Um, it's, it's a good, fun time. It's a nice time for, you know, I've been here almost 10 years now and I've worked with a lot of different people in the service industry. And when you change jobs or everybody, you know, like, you know kind of loses contact because you're not working with each other every day, it's nice to reunite on some kind of, you know, party little fun thing like a pool party. That sounds awesome. So that's how it started a couple of years ago. and It just became a thing where Cabana Thursdays was, you know, come one, come all, let's have a blast. Yeah, d be honest, that does sound fun. We we I've never been in a cabana at like any kind of casino, like anything like that. I know Al, we sn I snuck into the cabana at the hotel we were at and turned <laughs> on the March Madness games, so we could watch them at the pool. But that's about as much cabana action. I wouldn't as even I call that a cabana. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it wasn't being used, and there wasn't bottle service. We're, we're not everybody. And there Eric. was and there was no one there. But yeah, not everybody's Eric Duke. So, um, so one of the things that when we met you, you were telling us about you were having a show. So I guess one of the things that you said you're in the service injury. So I thought, if I remember right, you tended bar at the office at you know certain days, and then you were also a drummer at the time. 
and you were telling us about a show that you were going to play. And, you know, being from out of town, we, we didn't really have any plans or anything like that. So when somebody tells us, hey, it's going to be a show and it's going to be metal, it, we're not necessarily metal guys if you're looking at us. So we got kind of excited to get out of our element and go see your show. Especially with my 50-something-year-old dad. It was the last night we were in. It was the last night we were in Las Vegas, so and we had a flight out in the morning, so we didn't want to go too hard. But we ended up going pretty hard, and then we show up at the the Beauty Bar, cool spot in Old Vegas, and uh, and we walk in there. It seems like a pretty cool scene and everything. Everybody there was in black, and almost exclusively like black leather. I'm sh- I show up in like some western shirt, goofy shirt with uh like skulls on it. I, wh- you remember what you were wearing? Harley? I think I was wearing a yellow LSU hoodie, and my dad was wearing like a uh, Raiders, like hoodie. an old school <laughs> Raiders hoodie. So, so he fit in because he was in black. Yeah, well, he f- didn't really fit in. But he was <laughs> same, wearing the same color as everybody else. And then so I mean, so does that make me and Harley over here like the only? real punk rock people in there since they were all conforming by wearing the same color but you know we were had had some colors on uh well we were i was in a i was in a kind of a goth dark metal kind of band and we were opening for um a pretty well-known band from the 90s kind of in that same element of music so a lot of people come in are going to be like you know decked out in the black and all that kind of stuff um, I don't really judge or look at people and what they wear too much, you know. Except um, for us, because we're we were definitely you guys edgy. Pass as rocker guys, you know, without the arranged, uh, arranged, you know, outfits or whatever. But um, typically when I go out to shows and stuff, it's kind of on that level on that edge, and you know, most people are in black and concert shirts and stuff like that. Gotcha. I just thought it was funny. And then we showed up there. I didn't listen to any of your music before, uh, but no, he played some in the, oh, uh, yeah, the office. Did, yeah, he did play it in there. We're like, fuck yeah! If we're not too tired from and haven't lost too much money, you know, betting these games, so we went. We showed up, and fuck, your band's fucking awesome, dude. I, I was I was super impressed, man. You guys, you guys seem to kick some ass. Uh, and I even liked you more than I guess the the main head band that was headlining that night. Like I liked you guys way more than them. How long have you guys been playing together? I uh, appreciate it. Um, I joined the band about uh, a little, a little over a year ago. Um, things aren't really happening right now uh, with the band and everything, but um, I'm still cool with the guys, and uh, you know. We'll see what happens around the corner. Just taking a break at the moment. Yeah, so so one one of the things that, you know, we were, you know, Al and I really wanted to go see the show because we're like, dude, what's the chance that we're going to go to a metal show in Vegas with somebody that's playing that we just met? Like, this was a great Vegas story. You meet somebody, you, you, become, you become like, basically, you make a connection with them because you're both degenerates at 1030 in the morning betting – betting college basketball getting drunk and now we want to go now al's dad was thinking you were full of shit he he was he was like no this eric duke guy he's not doing anything and his dad became the biggest fanboy i've ever seen 
when all of a sudden <laughs> you start playing and he realizes how good you are on the drums? Because I don't think we said he plays the drums yet. How good you were on the drums. And then I think during one of the songs, like you were doing like some kind of like, oh, 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 type voice on there. And he was going apeshit for that stuff. It, it, I, now that he's saying that, I remember after the show, like we were going to tell you how much we liked it and stuff. And my dad, as your band was like getting off stage and like the roadie dudes and you guys were kind of moving equipment, my dad offered some dude to carry something and the guy just straight blew him off. It was hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. I remember him being a big fan and enjoying it for sure. Oh yeah, dude, and, it was uh, awesome. Yeah, I did. I did uh, some background vocals um, throughout the stuff, and if there was gonna be, we, we weren't like a, we're not a growling metal kind of band. We're a little bit more uh, common, common ground, I guess, with hard rock. Um, but you know, there's a couple parts and a couple songs where it causes for a little aggression, I guess, and I'm the guy that was doing that for the band nice no it was it was it was great man and and it was one of the we we got to a point where y'all played and y'all were y'all were packing up and it was like fuck it was getting late we had to get to our flight we're like man we really want to see you know eric before we leave just tell him you know that we appreciate it and everything and they were great and then the, i guess the headliners came on and they were they were okay but they they just weren't they, i don't know they're their mic levels and stuff i don't think were as good i just didn't like the music as much and so they're kind of driving us out so we leave well it was least, already it was already like a little past midnight and we had to fly out in the morning and we're all old now yeah so we walk out well we are old eric, eric duke's got us by a couple of years we walk out right we walk out and there's eric duke with a lady on his arm, and he's coming back in. I don't mean to blow you out there, but uh, he's coming back in, and he's got a big smile on his face. And you told us hello, and, and you know we got to we got to say bye to you and tell tell you everything. But you know, that was a pretty cool experience running to you on the street right there when we were leaving the bar. Actually, I I think that's my ex girlfriend, and we're not together anymore. Thanks for bringing it yeah, up, Harley. Yeah, my bad, my bad, dude. Um. But uh, what what's it like after after you play a show like that? Are you on an adrenaline rush? Like, do you feel like top of the world, or do you just want to have a couple beers and hang out? The adrenaline rush definitely is happening on stage. Um, once it's over and you get off stage, you know you know you did good and it was a great response. And I'll be honest, uh, I I know you guys enjoyed the show, but we played the Beauty Bar twice in the last year. And we consider those kind of our worst shows, to be honest. The venue's not a great venue, and we haven't really had the, the uh, greatest of, I guess, sound and, and all that stuff. It's just a bad setup, to be honest. Well, y'all, um, y'all had some issues with the mics, right? Because your, your, your guy kept trying to get the, uh, I guess, the guys in the back to get the, uh, I guess y'all have some ear pieces in that help y'all with the tempo and shit like that? Yeah, I played a quick track, and uh, and then we have backing bo- uh, backing tracks for um, like effect and you know, kind of the style of music we're playing. There's issues all over the place every time we play that venue. Usually, oh damn, we've done a couple shows at House of Blues, which were really really great shows. You know, so d- depending on the situation, the concert could have been really awesome and great, or there could have been technical difficulties. So you, you go off stage a little frustrated. Um, the 
the excitement is still there because you know everyone is enjoying uh, the situation uh, and you're you're ready to go mingle with friends even though you might be a little irritated with how the show went or if it was a really good show like when we play House of Blues it's you know a blast because there's a good turnout and you know, the first thing off stage is literally going into the green room and just catching your breath because the 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 adrenaline and all that stuff happens when you're on stage. So, and, and I like, I don't like to hold anything back. So I'm really head banging and I'm throwing my flailing my arms and stuff when I'm thrashing on the drums. So when I get off stage, I'm like exhausted. So the first thing is catch your breath, wipe off the sweat, grab some water and then go mingle and have a good time and have some drinks for sure. So we had a buddy that uh, was a roadie at one point. And I think he was following, like, a country band or something like that out of Atlanta. And they had, like, some tricks where they, like, gave individuals, like, um, basically cards. So if anybody from the band hooked up with them, they had to pay the roadie. I'm, look, I'm just I'm just saying, do y'all have stuff like that that goes down in Vegas, too? Or is that more of the country music scene? Uh, I, I, it might be a country music thing. I'm not very familiar with the country music thing. Um, when it comes to roadies and stuff, if, if we were to uh, have anybody help us with stuff at this stage, it would be friends just kind of doing it to help out. Um, there comes a point in time when you get to a certain level and status or pay grade when you're touring that roadie help happens. Um, but, you know, until, until you become a top headlining band on the tour or something like that, you're you're not really making a ton of money where you're going to uh, be shelling out so much for all the help. And then you get into techs, guitar techs, uh, drum techs, et cetera, at some point where you're just not even in charge of your stuff. You just hang out in the green room until it's time to go on stage and do your business. But that's a ways away, you know. It takes some time and uh, some very good fortune to get to that point. Well, so y'all played some House of Blues shows. Now, we have a House of Blues in New Orleans, and it seems to be like, you know, pretty good bands end up playing there. You know, I've, they, I've been there before. Oh, yeah. Who'd you see? Years ago, I went there. I don't. I didn't go to see a band. I just went there, um, I think, for a drink or some grub on one of my... I've been to New Orleans a couple times. Oh, I got it's you. Been, oh, it's been a long time, for sure. I kind of remember the street and the, and the area that it's on, though. Yeah, Decatur. I think it's right off Decatur, right there. It's 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 a good time. I, I've seen a lot of ba- I, well, I used to see a lot of more bands there when I was uh, in college and and shit like that. But um, I I just remember those shows being you know pretty decent sized bands. So y'all having a couple of House of Blues shows in Vegas? That's got to be pretty fun. Yeah, um, the thing in Vegas is that there are so many venues. Uh, so there's always there's sometimes multiple concerts that you want to go to and it doesn't even matter, you know, whether it's rock, hard rock, country, pop, obviously the club scene with the DJs and the, you know, the silly electric music or, you know, whatever. I'm not into that, but it's a huge thing, obviously here in Vegas. Um, but there's so many venues here for bands and booking agents and, and whatnot that they actually get to outbid each other for certain acts, which only drives up the prices. If you look at a, a band's tour, like if they're on the national tour, and you look up tickets for other cities, you'll find that sometimes, a lot of times, Vegas tickets are more expensive, and it's because 
of how many venues are fighting and bid, outbidding for certain bands when they come to town, which kind of sucks. That means you you guys get paid more money though, right? No, not necessarily. The band the band is oh. going to get paid a certain amount because that's what they are supposed to get paid and on I, a tour. So and, they'll, they'll have a, a rate of meet us at this amount and then whatever. But, but that amount might not change. It'll just a matter sometimes of what venues are outbidding. Well, we'll pay this much more. Sometimes it'll play into paying the band more, but then sometimes it's just a matter of uh, just paying more, but then the ticket prices go up. So um, they'll make or a band will, or a venue will say, "Well, we'll just make it up in liquor or alcohol sales because we know this band will sell out," or you know, whatever, something like that. It doesn't always it doesn't it doesn't always work in the band's benefit as much as all the people working for the band. If that makes sense. So, and I guess I would change your crowd too, because as your ticket prices, if they price out some of your like grassroots type fans. It could change your whole vibe in there. You could start playing, and you, you don't have the people headbanging, or you have some jackholes come in not in black, you know, that kind of stuff. Somewhat. Um, so uh, one of the things I was just curious, when, when you're in a band and you're, you know, playing concerts like y'all do, how much time do you actually have to spend rehearsing? Because I, I imagine that's got to be tough, which, you know, depending on – the size of your band and and kind of where you're at you don't you're not really getting paid for rehearsal so how much time do you actually have to put in for you know to play shows like y'all do that kind of thing varies um i've been in bands where rehearsing two to three times a week was a was a, a must uh and then i've you know i've been in bands where you know this last band is like We'll rehearse once a week unless there's specific things we definitely need to work on. You know, we'll get in there and hash it out or we're writing new music or whatnot. But, you know, like my buddy that's in Five Finger Death Punch, they're kind of a well-oiled machine and they know what their their music is and whatnot. When they come off a tour, they're done for a while. And uh, maybe they'll have a month or six-week break. And they'll rehearse the week before going on tour for another long run or something like that. So it's all just kind of depends. Um, you know, if you've got your established set and the music is pretty tight and you're not working and hashing out things that need to be worked on, you know, just getting in there and, and rehearsing once a week when you might do a show once or twice a month is, you know, it's fine. All right. So, um, I don't have really any more questions around the band. I just more Vegas general questions. Al, do you have anything else around the band? Um, do you, do you want to speak out against drummer jokes? I know drummers get a lot of stereotypical jokes within, like, I guess that section of comedy. Do you have anything to, to say against the drummer stereotype? No, I've probably heard them all. They're all silly and goofy, just as much as, like, if I was to rag on bass players or – Give the lead singer jokes and all that kind of stuff. Can I get a good bass player joke? Uh, the bass players get the worst set of the jokes when it comes to musicians. Can you do? They're, no usually, they're usually like the bottom, I guess, uh, bottom feeder when it comes to respect and uh, 
the other musicians giving bass players shit. You so, know? so they're, I guess their band stereotype is that they're easily replaced because their job's not that important and not that hard. Um, I, I, I don't know if I would say it's not that hard. I guess it's the, unless you're less playful or primus or, you know, uh, Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know, one of the great bass players where your music really kind of revolves around the bass player. Um, they're just kind of filler <laughs> somewhat. You're giving your bottom end. Roasted. Like that. Um, I don't know if I'd say it's easier. I have never picked up a guitar or a bass and took it serious outside of goofing off on it. But um, it just seems that they're the last line of who you go to see when you're going to see a band. When you think Rolling Stones, you think of, you know, Mick Jagger and, uh, and uh, what's his name? that's still alive somehow. Keith Richards. Um, Keith Richards. Yeah, you know, you can see their name off all kinds of bands where you, like, you think of the singer and guitarist usually first. The bass player, if you were to sit there and name bass players for all these bands, you might start having an issue thinking <laughs> about, oh, I'm not sure. Who is the bass player? Yeah, I think the bass player for Rancid's name, like Matt Freeman, I know that one. You've said flea already. Yeah. Is the one for the Rolling Stones right. Brian Jones? Uh, and then I'm about I'm about tapped out. Uh, and, and I guess there's some funk guitarists like Thundercat and uh, what's that other dude? You're going deep over there. You're in the deep cuts. I don't know basically any bassist now. Drummers, Bootsy, Bootsy Collins. Drummers, you know Tommy Lee because that dude's doing <laughs> sex tapes. Yeah, he's got I a drumstick in his pants. Yeah. You got to know that. Yeah, it's pretty much the point. So, um, the the other thing that I, I I know you were talking about is you you play in a lot of like poker games and stuff like that in Vegas. I I'm just curious, how do you get in a mindset before you play a poker game? Because I I like, do you wear the sunglasses? What's your get up? I'm just curious. <laughs> I uh, I I try to look like somebody that can be taken advantage of or you don't take seriously. And when it comes to poker players, uh, first of all, there's a portion of poker players that um, are just there because they like the game and they think they're pretty good at it. And they're not really reading anybody else at the table. And they're pretty amateuristic, you know. Then you've got poker players that really know the game well, the math of it and everything else. And um, they'll take into consideration after an hour or so of play, what players might they be able to take advantage of and all that kind of stuff. Well, I like to kind of look like a wild card, obviously, with the long hair and the rocker look. I've got that going for me in my advantage. Um, I'll try and wear some obscure, incredibly intense-looking metal shirt or something like that to kind of even the perception of, like, okay, I can't take this guy serious. Look at how he's dressing. You wear know, that kind of stuff. Wear that aborted. Apart for the players that are reading into that now if and when i do wear sunglasses um there's a big misconception about that a lot of a lot of players wear sunglasses so that you don't read them they don't want to be read they don't feel like you know they can they hide much with their eyes when they're in a big pot or something like that um but you'll if you if you talk to or hear a lot of professionals that wear sunglasses a lot of times it's about not not necessarily worried about you reading me. I don't want you to know when I'm reading you. When I wear sunglasses, it's about 
being obscure about the fact that I'm paying so much attention to you when you're in a hand and that kind of thing. Not that you're focused on it, but even when the cards are being dealt, you know, the fact that I'm going to pay attention to each person and how they ruffle their chips or they, you know, look at their cards and make a decision and all that kind of stuff. I can sit there with my headphones in, look like I'm jamming the music, and you don't really notice that my eyes are focused on you in every little detail that you do, which makes you take me less seriously if you don't realize I'm really paying attention, if so, that makes sense. So, Eric, are you kind of like a shark? And, and what I'm picturing right now is, like, I'm going to take this to – some of our guys are more basic than what you're getting. You're getting some good details. But what I'd say is this is like Riverboat Ron – he played in Detroit this weekend inside of a dome, so he didn't have the tent. Therefore, the Lions could read his eyes, and he ended up losing. Now, at home, Riverboat Ron with his tent is very powerful. So then he played a night game on Thursday, no tent, got killed. So I think he's trying to say you show up in an aborted fetus, fetus T-shirt, you got some Oakleys on, and you just read the shit out of other people and act like you're not paying attention. And you know you catch them on some, you catch them slipping. Yeah, you you're not thinking the metal guy's the shark at the table. And you probably know all the good local games too to go to. I got into poker when I lived in Florida about 15 years ago, and uh, and I moved here because I had an opportunity to open up a hard rock cafe on the strip, um, and also transfer at the same time. But the bigger reason is because I had got into poker so intensely that I wanted to come and be able to play it with all the all the opportunities. The World Series is here every year. We got a bunch of different deep stack tournaments all the time. Cash games are always happening. And essentially that's why I had moved back was to get out of Florida essentially and, and then to actually pursue some enjoyment out of the poker life. So did you uh, have anything to do with the real world being there at the Hard Rock uh, Casino there? A few years ago, you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Were you? Did you meet any of the cast? Were you involved? I didn't have anything to do with it. Um, I remember the season. Uh, I know full well about where they were. Obviously, I'm familiar with the Hard Rock, and and uh, the one kid that got kicked off the show because of his drunken stupidness. You could almost say that about any character in the real world, I guess, but. He got a room. He got a room at a place across the street that I actually used to stay in a couple of times. What was but, the name um, of that place? I Rumors. Any of them. I actually, I think a year or two after that season, I ran into the girls having like a reunion weekend at the Rio, and I think I was playing poker or something, and they were checking in. I ran into them, but hey, real brief, and just was like, yeah, you guys had a great season. I hope you have fun. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that kind of thing. What was the name of that hotel that that guy got kicked out of that you were talking about? Was that Rumors? Rumor. Yeah. <laughs> it's right across the street on Harmon. Yeah. So, um, Eric, there was a, something that came out when we were at the office, and I guess we didn't realize at the time that was kind of like maybe the, the gay part of Vegas right there. And it came out because Al went back there, what, that was on a Saturday? <laughs> I went back in there for like, uh, you know, a couple drinks before we were doing, we were, I think you guys were at the Hard Rock, like sweating your bets or something. I didn't have any bets in, so I just was going to walk, you know, 10 minutes and go, go in there and get a drink and just chill out and watch whatever games were on. And uh, 
And then as soon as I sat down, I started relentlessly getting hit on. I think it was the same night as your show. So I think it was like Sunday, Sunday, like kind of, you know, early afternoon-ish. And I was getting I was getting hit on. And Tony was bartending. And I was Tony was trying to help me out, but it wasn't going well. And then some other dude came up and started trying to hit on me, and I, I got out of there. So, so is the office so the Hard Rock, a gay bar? The Hard, Rock, the Hard Rock Hotel on Paradise is off of the Strip, about a half mile or so. And uh, a block down from there is the office bar, which you guys referenced when I met you. It's the bar I work at. It's a dive bar. It's got great pool tables and darts and video poker and a jukebox and it's you know, awesome. It's a really good, nice star, dive bar. Across the street from that. What's that? Uh, it was great for watching games. Tony had four TVs. He'd put the games on we needed. He'd change the right. TVs right in front, the ones we were sweating. It was, I mean, it was great. You got Fran Tarkinen biting a towel and a mural behind you. Jerry Tarkanian. What did I say? Fran Tarkington. <laughs> Tark, Jerry Tarkanian. Yeah, I remember when those things were painted on the wall. You got the dispensary um, right there around the corner. It's located in a place called the Fruit Loop. So across the street from us is Double Down, and we are the only two non-gay bars in the Fruit Loop. And the reason it's called Fruit Loop is because all the other clubs and bars are all considered gay kind of party club bars. So when uh, you got hit on nonstop, you're dealing with overflow from or people coming into the office bar to get cheaper drinks. That's usually when I wait on anybody. You know, they're going to go hang out at Piranha or Free Zone, which is some of the gay bars, and they're going to get like expensive drinks there. So they'll come in and have a few at Office Park because it's cheaper, and then they'll bounce out. Or in your case, they'll come and hit on you because you're cute and they think you might be straight and they can turn you. I don't know. Oh, geez, I'm I'm bait. Do they try to do that to you when you're tending bar? I'm bait. Good thing I didn't go to Piranha because I would have been eaten alive. No, that's that's that's. Uh, so what was that? No, what I was saying is, does that does that happen often where people think they're gonna walk in, get free drinks? I mean, that's or cheap drinks. That seems like a good place for y'all to be is undercutting all the high uh, the high value bars right there. That's a, that, that's a good that's a good spot. Yeah, I mean, we're, I mean, we're considered probably one of. The, I, I think in the block we might be the cheapest place to drink, and and we don't mind pouring stronger drinks too. So. And we, we thank you for that business because of that. Yeah, Tony. Tony definitely hooked us up. We were definitely expecting a higher bar tab than what we got. So y'all are good people at the office. We definitely endorse the office with this podcast. Highly recommended. And so with with that, I'm just I got a couple more questions here, Eric. If you would, uh, you don't mind hanging out for a little bit longer. But one of the things as a tourist, what's the best time to actually come to Vegas? Definitely revolves around what you want to do, what you're into. Um, S and M gambler, like it, it would depend on if you're a sports gambler versus uh, you want to play poker versus you like the club scene versus uh, you want like the pool party scene. Like you, you literally, I could give you a different answer depending on what you want to come do in Vegas. To be honest, what, what's um, it like Halloween, during uh... Halloween weekend? Is ridiculous here. Um, every fight weekend that happens here ends up being big parties because you got big name celebrity DJs or hip hop stars or people doing shows on those weekends. You know, it's just 
but doesn't mean it's any cheaper on those weekends either. So if that's an issue, then there's all, you know, all sorts of different times of year that you can come when it's not as expensive. Well, what's it like during like the adult video uh, awards? That is a blast. <laughs> In January, late January. And um, when I say it's a blast, because I've got to meet some of the people that I'm familiar with from, you know, that uh, form of media. But what makes it a real blast is that everyone in the industry, whether it was 20 or 30 years ago or recently, comes out for that weekend. And all you have to do is be a people watcher at the Hard Rock. Now, the Hard Rock got bought out by Virgin, and that's going to change pretty much a lot next year. So I don't know where AVN is going, if it's going to continue its contract there through Virgin or not, uh, the Virgin uh, mobile about the Hard Rock Hotel there. But um, every year it's a blast just to go into the casino and just people watch all these people that are coming in through there. And it's just – it's maybe some of the most entertaining times here in Vegas. That sounds amazing. Our buddy has been pushing for us to go to the AVNs for years. Shout out to Chris. That That's what he really wanted to do for his bachelor party. That would be amazing just – so, so Eric, if like I walk in and you see Brianna Banks right there, and you know she's been out of the game for a while, but you, you know, you remember her. You go up and take a shot. Yeah. How how do you go up and you say what up to her? Uh, um, well, I'm not. Uh, I guess because I know I've I've known and had a lot of friends in the rock industry, so celebrity status kind of thing isn't like overbearingly. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not in awe or like over shocked. And I'm not also fanboy trying to come up and get autographs and take pictures. I'm cool with just going up and saying, Hey, so-and-so, you know, I'm a big fan and I like your stuff. And I just wanted to say, and, uh, you know, thank you for that. That's cool with me. You know, like, um, I, I got to know Chad Gray from Mudvayne and hell yeah, a little bit recently. And I had the best time just shooting pool with him at another dive bar, uh, Dino's this past week. And um, just being cool, not being like overly, I got to get pictures and then taking up the time, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Because a lot of celebrities are cool with that. And they, they don't mind it. But I'm being, being the guy, I'm best friends with the guy, like I said, in Five Finger. And it just is, I get to watch the annoying part of it and the aggravated part of like trying to hang out and just be normal. And it's just impossible sometimes. Yeah, I so can. I, I understand and see both sides, so I don't really go up and make it awkward. I guess. Well, I'm I'm trying. To, I'm trying to picture like, okay, so it's an AVN awards. You see somebody that you've, you know, probably, you know, did some some strokes to, and then you're going up and saying hello. Like I I just curious that interaction. I I get the not being a fanboy and stuff like that, but if you're seeing somebody like Sasha Gray or Asa, Akira, or something like I, I'm just curious how, how you go up and say you like their work with a straight face. Like, I feel like I wouldn't be able to do that. Well, first of all, you have to realize that they love hearing that shit. Like, that's the that's what they're in the industry for, outside of, you know, what, you know, they're making money and having sex, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But they know about their fans, and their fans is what makes them popular. So, you can almost come up and say, you know, you're my favorite and I enjoy blah, 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 you know, you know, making the best, you know, masturbation times ever with your scenes. They actually take that as a huge compliment <laughs> and you might get luckier with a picture and a 
autograph and a big hug and kiss. I don't know, like, but I know for I know for a fact they enjoy that kind of stuff. That's a, okay. So, so yeah, I wouldn't have I would not have thought I would have made it awkward. But basically, what you're saying is these people are in that industry for a reason and they're cool with it. So all you do is come up and you you treat them like you would treat anybody else. Tell them you like their work and thank them for their service. You can walk up to Evan Stone whenever you want, Harley, and just tell him you've been enjoying his work for years and you're good. Just uh, just give Evan Stone a big high five. Oh, man, that'd, that'd be life-changing. I <laughs> <laughs> See, Eric knows who Evan Stone is. I do. All right, so. I actually, took a, I actually got, I got to meet uh, a couple of years ago um, and took a picture with, um, and I'm going to, I can't remember his name, but. Uh, you know, probably the biggest movie production from porn and AVN is the Pirates movies. Um, and uh, the guy who played um, Sagnetti, uh, if you guys are familiar. No, but we'll have our crack research team Google that right now for us. Harley's going to look up some pictures. <laughs> he's going to, he's going to, first the he's going to, first he's. Sagnetti and stuff, um, it's kind of like a superhero because he's like. Like I said, these they're probably the most watched or overly produced big budget porn movie. You know, the Pirates movies. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, it's like Pirates of the Caribbean kind of spoof, but you know, in the porn world. And um, but they were huge budget movies and stuff, so they're pretty well known. And the villain in those movies, Bagnetti, I you know, I ran across him at Hard Rock, and I have actually a picture. Yeah, that's him. Tommy Gunn. Totally cool. And awesome. Yeah, that that's Tommy Gunn. Yeah, that's a that's a big time that's a big time porn star yeah, right yeah. there. That's, that's his name. Yeah, well, I've seen his work. And I think Evan Stone's also in those movies. Big, Evan Evan Stone's yeah. everywhere back in the now day. Now that he's jogging my memory, I I think I have seen a little bit of this. He's got the goatee, the soul patch, no, and I, the spiked hair. Well, you right. know Tommy I've Gunn. S- I've seen the Pirates of the Caribbean thing for a second. Jerking off's kind of weird, though. Once I do it, I kind of my memory erases like the Men in Black Red thing. Like I wake up the next day not even knowing what I finished to. But that's that's more about me and not about Stagnetti. So I apologize. <laughs> Good times. Uh, yeah. So I didn't I didn't realize we we're going to deep dive the uh, adult film industry here. I, it's it, this is kind of if I'd have known you were a. Uh, uh, you know, meeting some of these people and greeting them, I would have been, had more questions prepared. R.I.P. August Ames, R.I.P. Shiloh Styles. <laughs> Next time, we'll, we'll do it uh, as I'm at the AVNs, maybe. Yeah, uh, what, scatter their ashes? No, we we have to, that, that'd be crazy if we actually uh, go visit during the AVNs, do the Cabana Thursdays <laughs> with Eric Duke, and just see all the craziness that live goes pod from the Co- hard rock cabana during avn weekend that's it won't it won't be cabana thursdays they might have pool parties uh at night but it's kind of chilly still in january so oh that is true they probably wouldn't swallow the mic out there by the pool <laughs> um al do you have anything else i was gonna say something else but i forgot oh yeah we had our our friends, uh, one dude was in some, you know, group porn called the Sweet Nectar Boys. Anyway, the day August Ames died, he texts another one of our friends saying, I can't believe that bitch committed suicide. She didn't hadn't even filmed an anal scene yet. What a heartless bastard. 
boy. Yeah, that's kind of fucked up. All right. All right. Well, I mean, that's, that is yeah, fucked I up. Mean, that's that's that was sweet saying. nectar boys for that you. That wasn't me. That was a member of the sweet nectar boys. Uh, uh, just, we just have a fire alarm going on at the Green Valley Casino right now. Time to wrap it up. Yep. All right. So, Eric, do you have anything else for us? Or you? Uh, we appreciate you joining us. No, not at all, guys. Um, I hope that you can uh, make it out for March again. Um, it'll be a blast. I think one of my friends from uh, Florida is going to try and make it out. And my buddy from Five Finger Death Punch said he's off this year. So we'll have to hook it up with you at the joint and get that whole uh, VIP experience going this year if you guys can make it out. All right, there. I'll definitely be hitting you up. Um, and if you ever come in Louisiana, let us let us know, dude. We can take care of you. We can take you to Mississippi, go to casino called Magnolia Bluffs. They love us there. We've podcasted from there before. We can show you how they bet Mississippi style. Sounds good. We'll do. All right, man. Good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Eric. Take care of that fire. All right, talk to you later, Eric. Hey, so the best part about that is, again, fire alarms nobody respects fire alarms they're going out and what are we doing we're podcasting that's right all right so thank you for joining us on this very special vegas insider edition with eric duke drummer extraordinaire bartender great guy we met him in vegas we had a great time with him we really appreciate him going on uh on the pod so uh, thank you very much and if you're ever in vegas go to the office great dive bar you get cheap drinks and uh you get good time we can hook you hook you up with whoever you need there and make make sure it's a good time all right and we out i hope everybody had a great thanksgiving and enjoyed the eric duke pod if you're a new listener please check us out on uh soundcloud at talking small and uh we're also on twitter instagram and snapchat at Talking Small Pod. We're on all your major, major markets, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn app. We're everywhere that podcasts can be found. So check us out. We appreciate the views. And uh, if you enjoy us, please rate us wherever you can. Everybody says iTunes. I can't find another real good place to rate. So uh, if you do it on iTunes, you know, give us like three stars because you know we're not five star. All right, thanks for joining the podcast and listening. Shout out to all the viewers out there. And again, hope you had a very happy Thanksgiving.